Hey, this is Skippy from Mornings with Lone Star with Dick and Skippy. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Hispanic Chamber Connection. This is a radio program that features and promotes members of the Texas Gulf Coast Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. This show is broadcast from Lone Star Community Radio in downtown Conroe and can be heard at 104.5 and 106.1 FM or on the internet at IRLoneStar.com or you can watch us as a Facebook Live on the Hispanic Chamber's Facebook page. This program is sponsored by the Amel Agency, who's an executive partner in the Chamber and is a full-service residential and commercial insurance agency. My name is Tom Brody, and I am Vice President of Membership for the Chamber. Uh, our guest today is Terry Scroggins. Um, he's a little bit different. Not he's a little bit different. We're a little bit different for, format today. Uh, Terry is not a Chamber member um, yet, but he is the author of an interesting new book that deals with concepts that everyone can benefit from, especially people who are starting out in a new career or a new business. Uh, so, Terry, thank you for being with us today. How are you? Wonderful. It's a great drive up here. The heat has gone down. It's enjoyable <laughs> weather. Yeah, the rain kind of cooled us off a little bit. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Terry at tjscroggins.com. Very good. Okay, we'll be talking with Terry in a little more detail in a few minutes. But first, I want to describe the purpose of this radio program. Um, the Hispanic Chamber Connection is one of the member, one of the many benefits of membership in our chamber. So if you're a member and haven't appeared on this radio program, please send me an email to tom at tombrody.biz and we'll get you on the calendar. We also have a radio show in Spanish on Thursdays at 10 o'clock on AM station 920. As our president, Dr. Carlos Sanchez, always says, the Hispanic Chamber has four goals in mind for its members. Visibility, business connections, targeted education, and member advocacy. I can think of no better way to fulfill all four of these goals than to have you and your business featured on one of our radio programs. We also have an email newsletter that goes out every week informing our members and guests about upcoming meetings and events. If you'd like to be on, on the distribution list for that newsletter or if you're a member and you are not receiving the newsletter, please also send me an email at tom at tombrody.biz. So now let's get back to you, Terry. But before we talk about your book, tell us briefly about what you did before becoming an author. My first job, I traveled most of the state of Iowa in about six months, selling into elementary schools. And up until then, I'd never been by myself. So six months of that, and I was ready to go home. Wow, what were you selling? It was a fundraising business where we used gym bags, and we did the stadium cushion concept. We printed okay. ads on one side. The merchants would buy the bags, and we'd distribute them in the grade schools. Right. And covered most of the state of Iowa. When they hired me, they said, you'll spend about two weeks, three weeks a, a year in motels. I was spending half of my time in motels. My goodness. So when I left Iowa, I had no more friends than when I showed up. <laughs> that was a shock. Right. Then after that, um, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I spent a good portion of my life just wandering and lost, sort of. And I went to work at a Lincoln and Mercury dealership, sold cars there for seven or eight years, mm -hmm. ran a leasing department. I tell people I went to college at Southwest Baptist, but I got my education at the car dealership. I don't think I worked for anybody that had finished high school, Goodness. even the owner, right. a millionaire. Wow. And I learned a lot from him. Really neat guy. He came from a nothing background. He was raised in uh, southern Missouri, almost Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And he said, we were so poor that there wasn't anybody around us that we could look down on. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a hoot to work for. Right. After that, uh, I just wore out on that. The first five or six years was fabulous. Mm -hmm. Then Jimmy Carter comes into office and fabulous stopped real quick. Then oh. I went to work for... Um, um, Gosh, I can't even remember now. It's been so long ago. But I went to work and uh, pouring concrete with a friend for two years. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I was just absolutely clueless, just wandering around. He said, I need some help. So I thought, fine, physically strong. So I poured concrete for a couple of years. Wow. And then went through a divorce about the at that time. And I thought, you know what? I just started working with photography. I've okay. been an athlete all my life. 
and that's about all I knew outside of my college uh, was athletics. Right. And I was good at it. I wasn't excellent, but uh, I thought I wanted to play pro baseball. But I come to figure out I was the only person with that opinion, so <laughs> that didn't work well. Right. So I went through a divorce and had just started fiddling around with photography to photograph athletes. I had an idea, and a buddy heard what I wanted to do, and he said, you know what? If anybody will ever help you, it'll be so-and-so, those people. So I went over, knocked on their door, went in, told them what I wanted to do, and they just sat there grinning like a village idiot. And they said, well, the boss isn't here today, but if you'll come back Monday, we'll talk to you. So I go back Monday, and they had been trying to find somebody to do what I wanted to do really? for years, and nobody would do it. Most photographers are artsy-fartsy kind of people, and they're not real bold. I'm sort of a big mouth, and that, didn't, that was really different than all the other photographers. So going out knocking on doors and asking if I could do something wasn't a problem, but most photographers won't walk down the block to ask for business. Mm. They want people to come into them. Right. So they loaned me a camera, the flash, and they said, you got to go buy a tripod, and here's some literature on a guy that does this same thing in Iowa. So I got some number 10 business envelopes, printed up my offerings, went out, started knocking on doors. And that led to other things. We photographed pageants in the summer for several years. That's one of the ways we became familiar with Texas. Hmm. We photographed in Huntsville, the home of Mount Zion Missionary Church Barbecue also. Goodness. Oh, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, we went to Fort Worth, photographed at TCU. We went to Plainview, photographed there, and then we had the um, pageant in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So we had four of them in Texas, but we went as far east as Myrtle Beach, yeah, Lansing, Michigan, Bradenton, Florida, and Albuquerque's as far west as we went. So we'd make that round every spring to the pageants. That ended in June, and then mm-hmm. later on in the year, we hooked up with the ASA Amateur Softball Association. They had 30-some national tournaments a year. Mm -hmm. Boys, girls, men's, women's, 16 and under, 13 and under, 15 and under, 40 and over, 50 and over, just all kinds of national tournaments. And they would give a community the tournament with the stipulation that the the winning bid people, the community, would give them photographs and some cut of the money and other things back. But pretty much the community could do whatever they wanted. Okay. So I would call the community and say, hey, I'll come down, I'll fulfill all your photography needs, just let me set up and sell team pictures. And we did that for many years. We'd go to a lumber yard. I had a banner, two banners printed up that were 10 by 16 white uh, vinyl banners with a national logo, one left, one right, national tournament in big letters on it. Right. Because ballparks are ugly. Right. You usually want to hide the ballpark. Yeah, you usually have a yellow school bus sitting in the background somewhere. (laughs) Right. So I'd hang a banner and then go buy concrete blocks and boards and make benches and I could take a studio looking shot right out there at the ballpark and we did that for several years that was fun wow but then we got tired of all the traveling I bet yeah we homeschooled at that time which was really handy also okay and we thought you know what if we open a studio all these people we've been photographing in the high school for all these years they'll just come running in and throw money on the floor well no they didn't (laughs) But we had dropped all of our business pageants and tournaments, and we had the studio, so we did that for several years, which was very interesting. And then digital came. Mm. Digital changed everything. It's sort of like uh, Henry Ford changed everything. Right. Buggy whips weren't in demand much anymore. I bet not. So, So are you still in commercial photography now? Yes. Business people, once they get past a certain level of professionalism in their business, Mm -hmm. know that they need good photographs. Okay. Because people, and I talk about this in my book some, but people make a judgment before their conscious mind can even turn on. Right. So you put a picture up there and somebody will judge it. 80% of all communication is nonverbal. So if you don't communicate well in your photograph, you've lost part of the market that you maybe could have had to begin with. So if you look like you had your wife uh, go down the hallway and you stood up against the wall and she took your picture and you put that (laughs) on your business card, all the people that see you as cheap 
will not come to you. And you don't know they aren't coming to you because you present a bad image. Right. So there's a certain level that understands that they need this, and that's the ones I'm going for. I like photographing the people. Mm -hmm. In a business photograph, you have to look approachable and competent. Right. If you look like a yahoo, they're not coming. Right. And if you got a snarl on your face, they go, oh, this guy looks mean. You're not coming. So you have to make them look approachable and competent, and there's a lot of body language in that. Right. And then I like to photograph the buildings, and I do those at night. Much more beautiful at night, usually, 99% of the time than they are in the day. Right. And so I've got a technique I use on that. It takes me as much time on a computer as it does with a camera. Oh, okay. So you do some some post-picture post production. A bunch. Yeah. Because your brain and your eye can shift from dim light to bright light in a nanosecond. Right. The camera can't do that. Yeah. It'll have this light exposed right, and this other one will just be burning the picture up or non-existent. So I have to go in and balance all the different intensities on the light to make it look like your brain says it ought to look like. Right. Yeah. So the one thing you mentioned before is that, um, and, and that's what I, I've been thinking, is that digital changed everything, and especially the, the it seems to me, the, the selfie craze is kind of, lowered the standards of what everyone expects, except for those people at the higher level that you said image is important and they, and they, they spend the additional money or know they have to go out and pursue that to get a, a, better, a better image. Um, other than the professionals, has this affected your, your commercial business? I mean, have you, have you seen a drop off in that from people just other than the higher ends that they think they can do it themselves or Get their you know, wife to take a picture of them for their business card? Well, you're half right. Okay. They think they can do it themselves. Right. Where you're wrong is the community has never had high standards. <laughs> okay. They only went to a professional because they didn't want to shoot 24, 36 exposures and find out they all suck. Right. So, Mabel, we're not taking pictures. We're going to take them down to the studio and let Jim Bob photograph them. Right. So that's what kept the photography industry going with studios photographing babies, children, and weddings. Mm. Now you have cameras that as soon as you take a picture, you can look at the back and go, I like that or I don't like it. Right. Stand over there instead of over there. You can correct it and take it again and again and again and again within five minutes until you get one that's acceptable. Right. And for most people, if it's focused and fairly well exposed, that's all they need. Right. If I buy a new truck and I want to send a picture to my brother-in-law out in North Carolina, I don't need a professional to do that. I just need a snapshot. And, yeah. and that's a lot of people just need snapshots. They don't need a professional job. Yeah. So that's what's changed. Film to digital, people aren't afraid now to shoot until they get something they like. That's true. Yeah. So moving from photographer to what I'll call neurobehaviorist, is I like quite, that title. Quite the leap. I just made it up. I may get a, a plaque and put on my desk. It says <laughs> neurobehaviorist. So, what got you interested in the subject? And we'll talk about that in the book a little bit. But what what got you interested in that subject? I was extremely young. I may not have even been in grade school, but certainly grade school age or younger. I looked at the people around me in my family, and I said, "This is not normal." <laughs> I knew as a kid that this wasn't normal because for some reason I've just been blessed or cursed with an observation gene. Okay. I observe and critique in a, usually in a, a non-judgmental way, mm -hmm. uh, what I see around me. That's too dark, that's too light, that's too tall, too short, or whatever. I just do that all the time, and I've, I've been doing that since I was a kid. So I looked at my family and go, Something's a muck here. Yeah. So I've questioned why do they act like they do all of my life. Then I went to college and minored in psychology. I thought they will teach me why people do what they do. I got a lot of statistic classes and a lot of opinions and no facts. Oh, okay. And I thought, well, that was a disappointment. So, but I didn't lose my desire. Right. And... It took a long time for me to awaken. I was past 60, and I do not remember the day or the incident, but I remember when I awakened. I realized I had an opinion about myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
where the heck did that come from? That's a bunch of BS. And I realized I had been living under that opinion of myself unknowingly. Right. This is the, this is the, this is the hinge on the door. Unknowingly, for six decades of my life, it had been the master of my behavior, and I didn't know I had a master. Mm. So when I realized that, I thought, well, that's gone. It's never coming back because I know that's a lie. Yeah. Well, then the transformation started happening inside of me, and that's why I got the ball rolling Okay. to uh, write this book because I don't want to see anybody, even if I don't know them, live in as much ignorance as I lived in mm. if they don't have to and if they don't want to. If you like your ignorance and you're happy with it, that's fine. This is, I'm not the Gestapo. Right. But I'm just interested in the people that want to ask questions and go, what the heck is going on? All right. I will gladly help you with what I know and hope that it benefits you in some way so that you don't have to live uh, handicapped. Okay. We, we make leashes that we put ourselves on. All right. And we can only go to the end of the leash. Some leashes okay. are short and some let us roam, but we have leashes on. Okay. Well, I think that's a good breaking point. Uh, we've been talking with Terry Scroggins, a photographer and now a first-time author. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the contents of Terry's book, including a little bit about how the human brain works. Stay with us. A Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities, a Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air. A Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round. Be an on-air personality, talk show producer, or YouTube TV podcast editor. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org. Because every life matters. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stuff podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. The Hispanic Chamber Connection is sponsored by the Amel Insurance Agency, located at 719 Sawdust Road, Suite 103, The Woodlands, Texas. The Amel Agency is a family-owned insurance agency that provides home, life, automobile, and umbrella insurance coverage. Since 2006, the Amel Agency has been a bilingual insurance service for businesses and private citizens in the Montgomery County area. For more information on the Mail Insurance Agency, please visit the Hispanic Chamber Connection at www.irlonestar.com hcc. The Mail Insurance Agency is available by telephone at 832-525-5656 or online www.mlagency.com. The Mail Insurance Agency is a sponsor of this program and the Hispanic Chamber Connection thanks you. Welcome back. This is the, this is the Hispanic Chamber Connection. It's a radio program that features and promotes members of the Texas Gulf Coast Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. My name is Tom Brody. I'm the Vice President of Membership for the Chamber. If you have any questions for Terry Scroggins, who's our guest today, please text them to me at 713-906-3710. So when we went to break, I mentioned the subject of how the brain works, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, um, which is central to the message of your book and is really covered in, in chapter one, which is a good thing. Um, tell us a little bit about what limiting beliefs are and how they can affect 
who we develop into as adults. If you notice, the title of my book is Start Here. Right. I find there's lots of advice out there on how to live a better life. Lots of it. It's just overflowing. Right. You got to be more disciplined. You need to make one more call. You need to do this. You need mm -hmm. to do that. You need... I get the feeling that all this good advice starts at about step three or four on the process of living a better life. Okay. What happened to step one and two? I don't think you can go to step three or four until you've got step one and two handled. Okay. So that's the premise of my book is start here. Ah. Get your house in order before you try to start putting better paint and shutters on it. Right. Get your house in order. Then um, the book just sort of moves in a direction to chapter 9 and 10 that will help relieve the feeling of effort and have to and ought to and should. It'll be more of a feeling of I want to. Okay. Which is a much better motivation than, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to be a loser. Right. You know, and there's a lot of people out there I feel like just point their fingers at you, almost trying to shame you for not performing up to the standards they think you ought to be performing to. And uh, I'm very sensitive to that anymore, very sensitive to that. Okay. Nobody needs to be criticized because they've got something that's in their way, that's got a leash on them, that's holding them back, and hopefully that's what I wrote about in the book. So what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> what are limiting beliefs? Um, well, I, let's, let's talk about in, in, in your terms, and what was your limiting belief, and when did you realize it? I think you talked about it a little bit. Yeah. You were in your 60s when you, yeah. when you first realized it. A limiting belief is something that a person has accepted as fact and shipped off to their subconscious mind as fact so therefore, it's out of the conscious mind anymore, mm -hmm. and it controls your life. If it's the truth, that's wonderful. But if it's got any taint to it, any falsehood, or it's just totally wrong, it keeps you in a position of living the life you are capable of living. I don't find many people, in my opinion, that are short on ability or a talent to do wonderful things. I tell people, I don't know how smart I am. I just know I'm smart enough. Right. So if I was any smarter, that'd be fine, but I know I'm smart enough today, so I don't worry about being smart enough. Okay. And the other operating principle I have is there's one God, and I'm not him. So I get comfortable with not knowing uh, something and not being an expert at something. I, I can't be all things. Right. You know, so that's okay, too. But a limiting belief is something that keeps you performing at the level that if you didn't believe it, you were capable of performing at, which will give you a better life. What I talk about is not how to make a million dollars this year, how to sell 10 times more stuff than you sold last year, how to do this, how to do that. My book is aimed at giving the reader freedom to be who they are. My dogs act like dogs. If they acted like cats, I would think something was wrong. We need to act in harmony with who we are. Right. And when we act in harmony with who we are, without unnecessary clutter or disinformation, our performance level and our joy of living will go way up. There's a guy uh, on AM radio, Michael Berry, mm -hmm. listening to him one day. He says, I'm going to start a new program today. It's going to be called Flown or Blown. I want you to call in and tell me whether your week has flown by or it's blown. Oh, this is cool. So I listen, and I saw, remember, I'm an observer. Right. I saw a pattern right away. The people that their week had flown by spoke positively about their life and their actions and what they did, and the people their week was blown, leaned more to being negative, Things didn't go well for them. They didn't like what happened this week, and they couldn't wait for Friday to get there. Right. So the attitude, not the clock, determines whether a week has flown or blown. Right. So that happens, too, with limiting beliefs. They're negative. And anytime you're packing around negative, there's um, and I, it's on the sheet there somewhere in our notes, 
but I've got an I think it's called an acronym. It says, what you think about, you bring about. Yes. Yeah. It has to be that way. Yeah. That is, that's a law, of, just like gravity. The sun comes up in the east, goes down in the west. What you think about, you bring about, you cannot get away from that. So the thought processes here uh, determine the quality of our life. Well, if you've got false beliefs controlling your life, you'll find areas of your life that you're unhappy in. You may be making $500,000 a year, but I guarantee you, you have limiting beliefs in other areas. It may not be in the financial area. So what is an example of that? Some, something that, that's keeping people, someone down that they may not even realize? What, oh, well, I start out with example. this. When I speak to groups, this is the first story I go into. Okay. I worked with a guy, or I went to a Dale Carnegie class back in the 70s with a fellow that was a banker. He's a couple of years older than me. Nice guy, dressed well, handsome, presentable. Mm -hmm. He stood up and told that he had started with this bank and he noticed everybody was getting promoted around him. And he kept watching this. Right. People moving on up, yeah. like the Jeffersons moving on up. But he stayed the same. So finally he gets enough nerve one day to go talk to his boss. And he says, what's the deal? I'm here. They're getting promoted. And the boss, a little bit embarrassed, said, well, Lyndon, um, we really can't put you in a management position because you talk like a hillbilly. Hmm. Lyndon didn't know he talked like a hillbilly. Right. He thought he talked like Tom Brokaw on the evening news. But his speech who, that he was totally unaware of was holding his professional life down. Right. So that's a limiting belief and especially what I talk about because he had no idea he had it. Once he was aware of it, boom, his speech pattern changed. Right up the ladder he went. And the last I heard, he was vice president in the bank. Wow. So he was doing good. So a limiting belief is something that stops you. And you don't even know you have it. The thing that has to happen, though, is you need to pay attention And listen to your self-talk to find out. If you say things like, I'll never, mm. I can't, only they can, I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not educated enough. Anything you say negative about yourself, you're expressing probably a belief that you've shot back to your subconscious mind that is controlling your behavior. So... For instance, you, you think, well, I don't speak well enough to host a radio show. I can't do that. Right. You wouldn't be sitting here right now. Right. And somebody else would be sitting here, and you'd miss the opportunity. Hmm. But limiting beliefs keep you from even recognizing opportunities because they're not meant for you. They're meant for somebody else. Now, as far as my limiting belief, you're asking me, mm -hmm. I can remember the incident where it started. So what? Let's hold on that, and we will come back uh, after break. We've been talking with Terry Scroggins, photographer, now a first-time author. And when we come back, we're going to find out what his limiting belief was. Stay with us. Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for a summer internship, Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to learn the radio and TV business. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. The Hispanic Chamber Connection is sponsored by the Amel Insurance Agency, located at 719 Sawdust Road, Suite 103, 
the Woodlands, Texas. The Amel Agency is a family-owned insurance agency that provides home, life, automobile, and umbrella insurance coverage. Since 2006, the Amel Agency has been a bilingual insurance service for businesses and private citizens in the Montgomery County area. For more information on the Amel Insurance Agency, please visit the Hispanic Chamber Connection at www.irlonestar.com hcc. The Amel Insurance Agency is available by telephone at 832-525-5656 or online www.amelagency.com. The Amel Insurance Agency is a sponsor of this program, and the Hispanic Chamber Connection thanks you. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. Welcome back. This is the Hispanic Chamber Connection, a radio program that features and promotes members of the Texas Gulf Coast Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. My name is Tom Brody. I'm the Vice President of Membership for the Chamber. Today we're talking to Terry Scroggins, who's a commercial photographer and now a first-time author. And when we left a break, we said we were going to talk about what, what Terry's limiting belief was and, his, I guess, his aha moment. So, Terry, let's carry on and tell us what your, your aha moment and your limiting belief was. Well, it's the first one I recognized. It's not the last one I've recognized. Okay. It's the first one because um, if we only had one, that would be a great thing. But sometime early in my life, and I think it was pre-grade school, wow. limiting beliefs come before the age of eight usually Okay. because we interpret all of life emotionally up to that point because we don't have any reckoning skills. Right. So if I go in the front room and I dance and sing and people think I'm cute, well, I want more of that, so I'm going to dance and sing more. Right. I get feedback. Well, if I go in the front room and dance and sing and somebody yells at me, you idiot, get out of here, <laughs> I draw back. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. So our limiting beliefs primarily come before the age of eight because we're living 100% emotional. Okay. So I'm pre-grade school. When I, I don't know what brought about the recognition of my limit, this limiting belief I'm going to talk about. I didn't have an incident that I remember, I just remember it hitting me. Like I said, and I was past 60. But I, the, what happens with a limiting belief, let me lay this out first. What happening, happens with a limiting belief is you get an incident that you interpret improperly. Hmm. Then, part of the brain I hope to talk about soon, goes on a search for information to back that opinion up. Okay. It wants to verify your opinion, and it will twist information to make it fit what you believe that wasn't right. So I'll get confirming data on a false belief. Okay. And it just drives it deeper. And I think I'm believing the truth. Right. We all think we believe the truth. Okay. So let's get back. What was your limiting belief? My limiting belief, well, I interpreted an incident that caused me to put myself into a caste system, like in India. Okay. I put myself at a certain strata in that caste. There were things that were meant for people like me, and there was all these things that were meant for other people, but not me. Being a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist, an architect was not meant for a person like me. That was for other kinds of people. Mm, okay. It wasn't meant for me. Now, athletically, I didn't have much of a problem with that because I excelled physically early in life, so I didn't have any problem with that. But it's the uh, mental part where I could see possibilities. I didn't see any possibility of me ever being an architect. Okay. And looking back, that is probably maybe what I should have been if I if I hadn't had all this clutter in my head. Right. So a limiting belief will cause you not to see possibilities because that's not in the realm of your belief. Your mind will dismiss that so fast that you don't know it's dismissing it. And you'll just not feel comfortable with it. Uh, it doesn't feel right. Uh, maybe it's, uh, I couldn't do that. 
I'll tell you another story. I don't know if I told this one in the book. I don't think I did. Went to junior high with a lady in Lebanon, Missouri. Saw her 20, 25 years later. Donna, how you doing? We chit-chat, catch mm-hmm. up, and all that sort of stuff. And she had become an EMT. And I said, well, this is great. She said, and she came from a very, what I call, earthy background, okay. rural Missouri background. She said when she talked about becoming an EMT, her mother looked at her and said, don't you dare outgrow your raisin. In other words, her mother. Outgrow your raisin. Yes. In other words, you're getting too uppity if you think. Oh, my gosh. Well, we tell ourselves the same things. That's not meant for you. That's meant for somebody else. You're outgrowing your raisin. That's what a limiting belief does. In essence, it tells you you're outgrowing your raisin. You can't go there. You can't do that. Right. In marriage, social, big and social. A lot of people go to a social function. They just get in a corner and camp out. Right. Um, spiritual, that's not for me. That's for all the people in the Bible, the big shots, not for somebody like me. Wow. You know? okay. We just limit ourselves all over the place and yeah. don't even know it. My limiting beliefs are not like yours. You have your own particular set. Sure. Now, one of the things that you talk about in the book is the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and just the size aspect of the two. Talk about that a little bit because this is really fascinating, I think. Okay. Reach into your purse, your pocketbook, or your front pocket and pull all your change out. Look at it. Okay. That's your conscious mind. Now look at the U.S. economy. That's the subconscious mind. Okay. Consider the conscious mind a three-foot stage. You're on it with a microphone. You can only interview one person at a time. Okay. That's the conscious mind. You're an interviewer. you got to decide what to do with that person on the stage. It's sort of like Elvis has left the building. Well, has your thought left the building? Right. That's the conscious mind. Yeah. Your subconscious mind, picture a multi-level library that reaches out of sight with aisles and aisles and rows and rows of books on the shelf. That's your subconscious mind. Wow. The reason it's called subconscious is you don't know it's there. We, we, we don't even know it operates. Right. You don't think, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe right. out. You don't think left foot, right foot, left foot, right. That's all in the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So all the information we send back to our subconscious mind works on all pilot, just like walking or breathing works on autopilot. All of our thoughts that we say, I believe this to be the truth, they work on autopilot. And that's because that dictates that if you believe something falsely, it'll work the same way every time through all eternity unless you address it. And it's trying to, I guess it's recognizing that thing that's limiting you and realizing that that's not correct or not true is most of the work, right? That's the, that's, the, that's the biggest work that you're going to have to do. The biggest hump, in my opinion, you have to get over is finding the areas of your life that you think your performance is not where you would like it to be. And then ask yourself why. And do something I don't find a lot of people do. Pay attention. Mm. I talk about asking questions in my book. The better the question, the better the answer. Never ask yourself a question that can be answered yes or no. Because once this particular part of the brain, called the reticular activating system, once it hears an answer that says yes or no, the issue is resolved and it thinks about it no longer. It's over. Okay. But if you leave the question open, it will find the answer. And it may hit you while you're going in to brush your teeth. It may have found the answer and then send it up and you go, where did that come from? But it's your subconscious brain has found what you told it to look for. Or you may have an incident where you're dealing with somebody. Say you've got anger issues. You're dealing with somebody and you get angry. And all of a sudden the flash of insight may come to you because you've told your subconscious mind, where did my anger come from? Not why do I get angry? Mm-hmm. Where did my anger come from? How come I get upset when people do X, Y, and Z, but I don't get upset when they do this, that, or the other? 
how do I feel attacked by what they're doing? Just ask yourself questions that you really want answers to that lead you into more questions. And I have found that when you look truth in the face, when you look falsehood in the faith, face, they are both exposed for what they are. You look a lie in the face and call it a liar, and it will drop its head and start hiding. Now, it, you will always remember that belief, but the power is gone. Right. My belief that I talked about earlier, mm -hmm. I remember it. But if it has any power over me at all to this day, I don't know it because it just it it left like the air out of a balloon to me. Wow. Because I understood it and went, oh, that's a bunch of crap. And it went. And then once that's done, you could you could take steps to move forward and and, and counteract that or if, if you want to change your life in, in a different pursue a different path. Now you're you're free to do that. I used to work a lot in schools, and I'd get there early, mm -hmm. and there'd always be kids in the gymnasium sitting there waiting for something, and I've got an audience, and I've got a big mouth, so I go over and I start talking to the kids, and I ask them if they understand life yet. So a basketball court is 85 feet long, and I'd have some kids stand at the beginning, mm -hmm. and I'd move some kid out you know, to, on the floor and show them this is how old you are now, and that's how long it'll be till you're 85 now. Oh, I gave them a visual. They'd understand that. Right. Then another thing I would do is I would tell them, I'd get somebody and I'd say, stand right here. Now look around. Tell me what you see. Blah, 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 blah. I'd take them and move them to a different position. Do things look different now? Yeah. I'd take them still to another position. Do things look different now? Yes. What a limiting belief will uh, do when, it's, when you're rid of it, as you move through life, you are freer to notice opportunity and the things around you that you couldn't see back in your old position. You're in a new position, new opportunities show. Next week, I'll be aware of an opportunity that I don't even have a faintest idea about today because life is not about being successful, getting somewhere, accumulating so much of this, that, or the other. Life is about the journey. I ask people, do you journey well? Mm. And to me, that success is if you journey well. Now, if you're free of all this garbage and your performance is better, there's a good chance your income's probably going to improve because you aren't limited. Right. Well, like my buddy that spoke like a hick, once he was aware of his belief, his income improved. Yeah. But I don't teach this for people's income to improve. I teach it for their life to improve. Life is more about more than just income. Right. Oh, absolutely. Now, one of the things that kind of follow up with that, you talked about your acronym before, and it was W-Y-T-A-Y-B-A, -A, right? What does that mean, and do you have a pronunciation for it? It's a short no, pronunciation. No. I've tried that. <laughs> it's got to be Wytaba or something. I don't know. You have to speak Russian or Armenian probably yeah. to make it work. No, I don't have pronunciation for it. Yeah. But What did that stand for again? What you think about, you bring about. Okay. And that is because you send a thought or a thought is received into the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. You decide what to do with that thought. You think, that is the truth. I need to remember that. That is garbage. Go away. You decide what to do with it. Right. Well, then you send that message to your subconscious brain so that it, you don't have to make that decision over and over and over again every day. You don't wake up every morning. Let's see, what do I need to do today? Oh, I've got to go to work. <laughs> Right. You know, you know you're going to. Yeah. That decision's been made. Well, the conscious brain sends thoughts back and makes that decision because being on autopilot is very efficient. Okay. Very efficient. And that's what the brain wants to do. Put as much as it can on autopilot so you're free up to plow new ground. You're free up to go new places, learn mm -hmm. new things. You don't have to learn the same stuff over every day. Right. You know what one of the advantages of having Alzheimer's is? You What's meet that? new people every day. <laughs> we don't want to be there. Right. We don't want to be there. Yeah. So what you think about, boom, you make a decision on it, you ship your interpretation of that to your subconscious brain, and your subconscious brain will work with that exact interpretation for all eternity unless you choose to go in and alter it. Mm, okay. That's why it's important to put the best, most truthful information into your subconscious brain you can 
so that you act in harmony with that. Okay. You know, it's like a single-edge razor. We put them in a razor holder so that we don't cut ourselves. It'd be really tough to try to take just a single-edge blade and shave with that. Right. That's not wise. Well, yeah. knowing the truth is wise. We need to operate with that. Right. Okay. Well, very good. We've been talking with Terry Scroggins here, a photographer and now the author of the book, Start Here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about his book. Stay with us. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio, broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Have a legal question? Are you a resident of Montgomery County? Call 281-645-6344 to talk to a volunteer attorney from the Woodlands Bar Association. We answer the phones on the first Monday of every month at 281-645-6344 from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. to provide general legal information and information about legal resources to Montgomery County residents. The Hispanic Chamber Connection is sponsored by the Amel Insurance Agency, located at 719 Sawdust Road, Suite 103, The Woodlands, Texas. The Amel Agency is a family-owned insurance agency that provides home, life, automobile, and umbrella insurance coverage. Since 2006, the Amel Agency has been a bilingual insurance service for businesses and private citizens in the Montgomery County area. For more information on the Amel Insurance Agency, please visit the Hispanic Chamber Connection at www.irlonestar.com slash hcc. The Amel Insurance Agency is available by telephone at 832-525-5656 or online at www.amelagency.com. The Amel Insurance Agency is a sponsor of this program and the Hispanic Chamber Connection thanks you. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Welcome back. This is the Hispanic Chamber Connection. It's a radio program that features and promotes members of the Texas Gulf Coast Chamber of Commerce. My name is Tom Brody. I'm Vice President of Membership for the Chamber, and today we've been talking with Terry Scroggins, uh, who is a commercial photographer, but he's branching out and now is an author. Uh, and Terry, we've been talking about the, your book and your subject of your book all show, but um, and I'm sure people want to get a hold of it. What's the way that they can find it? Where, where is it going to be sold? It will be released, it looks like, next week on Amazon. Awesome. Okay. And the name of the book again? Start Here. Okay, very good. And so if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask you questions about anything we talked about or limiting beliefs in general, what's the best way to contact you? Be through my email. And that's terry at tjscroggins.com. TJ as in Tom Jones. <laughs> because I say T frequently as in turtle or Tom or whatever. Right. And I undoubtedly will get P as in Paul or Philip, you know, that kind of thing. So right. And Terry is T-E-R-R-Y, right? Correct. Okay, very good. So one of the things that we've been talking about, um, and, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, but I'm not sure I'm quoting it directly, but the gist of it is that, that we, we as humans will more than likely self-sabotage our, our own efforts to perform above our self-imposed limits. What, what do you mean by that when you're going to self-sabotage? You have a belief system you've stored away in your subconscious mind. Right. And your subconscious mind will not let you violate it. It pleases itself. If in your subconscious mind you see yourself as being able to earn, uh, let's just pick a figure. You see the most you could ever earn would be $70,000 a year. Okay. Anybody that you know makes over $70,000 a year, 
you feel uncomfortable around. You're not one of those kind of people. You're more of the other kind of people. Mm. Your subconscious mind will not let you do anything to violate your $70,000 a year mindset. It will do anything it can to keep you from going past it. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work because you're trying to go somewhere you don't believe you can go. Interesting. So, so what's next for Terry Scroggins? How are you going to get your message across in your book? I know the book is one first step, but what's the next step? Well, my first step was I wanted to speak. Okay. When I speak publicly, I run out of material before I run out of energy. Okay. I can be up there for an eternity, and then I walk off the stage, and I just collapse into a puddle of flesh. <laughs> but I enjoy communicating. I found out that I am a teacher. I use the term elucidator. I like that. That sounds a little neater. I'm an elucidator. Right. I make things clear. Okay. But that gives me great joy to teach. So I found out that if I wanted to teach and speak, I probably should have written a book. So I put everything else on hold and went back and wrote this book, okay. which I'm glad I did. It's a very enjoyable process. I really enjoyed it, and that surprises me because none of my teachers in my schooling would ever imagine that I would ever do anything like this. That's right. They might imagine San Quentin or Folsom Prison, <laughs> but not writing a book. <laughs> right. So but, have you got another book in the works? Has this kind of sparked a... Yes, one immediately. Okay. And... Playing off of my title, Start Here, I think it's going to be Start Here for Marriage. Really? Yes. Oh, goodness. Okay. People give very little thought to marriage. They give a lot of emotion, mm -hmm. but they give very little thought. I believe in the Bible, and the Bible says that a wise man seeks a multitude of counselors. Right. Well, I'd like a show of hands out there in radio land. How many of you sought out a multitude of counselors before you got married? <laughs> yeah. I hear silence. Yeah, exactly. I hear crickets. Exactly. How many of you sought out a multitude of counselors before you bought a house? Mm. So people don't seek out wisdom. But I had an incident in my life years ago that taught me something uh, along this line. A really bright fellow married this really cute girl, very nice. Yeah. But she was ill all the time. Mm. They divorced. And he said that relationship constantly sucked the energy out of him because she was always ill. Right. Whoever thinks of looking at the history of the family you're going to marry and seeing their health issues. So things along those lines. Okay. Start here for marriage. Very good. Well, everybody watch, watch out for that. Um, this is the Spank Chamber, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for checking out this show on Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. This show is owned and produced by Lone Star Community Radio and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. For more information about this show, to be a guest or to sponsor, just contact the studio at 936-647-3776 to leave a message or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com.